Hey everybody, welcome back to Ministry of the Feet. And in this video, I want to go through yoga with you guys. And can a Christian uh, be a practicer of yoga and still be a Christian? Or is it okay for Christians to, to practice yoga and to do yoga? And if I could be honest with you guys, uh, this is not a difficult question to answer. And it's not, um, it's not confusing. And so I'm just going to go through this with you. I'm going to present uh, some facts to you. Uh, you know, you can do a five-minute Google search on yoga, and you can find a lot of these answers for yourself. It it's really uh, isn't that hard. But uh, it's very important to go through because I've, I've seen a lot of Christians get confused by this, or a lot of Christians just not even question it or think about it. They just do it and, and you know, it's good for you and it's healthy, so why wouldn't I? And what's the problem? If it's good for me, then it's, then it's there's no issue. Uh, but I'm going to go through why, um, why this is actually a really big deal. And so, you know, uh, to look at yoga right from the beginning, it's important to see what the word itself means. The word yoga literally means to yoke yourself with or to come into union with, to come into union with. And so as Christians, this, this language should immediately capture our attention because we know that Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he says in verse 28, take my yoke upon you. So if Jesus, whom we're following, has told us to take upon his yoke, and I'm now participating in something that's saying you now need to take on this yoke, I should probably have a really clear understanding as to what that yoke is if it's not Jesus. Because Jesus told me to take his yoke, not some, not another yoke, not a different kind of yoke, his yoke. And so I need to, it just requires me to look into this at least a little bit to see what exactly is it that I'm being yoked to. And you don't have to go too far to find out. And so when we look in yoga, uh, or, or um, so when we look at yoga, uh, which means to, to yoke or to be joined in union with, it's talking about specifically being joined or coming into union with Brahma. Now, Brahma is essentially ultimate reality in the, re in the religion of Hinduism. So it is the ultimate expression of the Godhead, which is the impersonal life force in the universe. To say yoga uh, is to say that I am I am yoking myself to this Brahma. I am yoking myself to the gods, the, the Godhead of Hinduism. Brahma is really uh, three gods in one, and it's the 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 creator of of all the universe. But it's also um, the deity that is actually of myself. It's self deity, and so is the expression of of God consciousness. It's God consciousness. And you know, you'll often see uh, when people do yoga, there's a, a common pose they do or a common symbol where they take their index finger and they join it to their thumb. And then they have the other three fingers, you know, pointing out or up or whatever. Uh, but this is very symbolic. The index finger represents myself or, or my soul. And the thumb represents Brahma. They touch, they are becoming one which is considered to be God consciousness or to being union with Brahma. So the ultimate goal of yoga 
is this union with the cosmic consciousness and the discovery of deity that's actually within yourself. It's the discovery of, of I am a God unto myself. I am a God. And so it's this, this uh, and, and I'm one with the universal God, kind of that consciousness all around me. I am becoming one with God consciousness. That is the uh, goal of, of yoga. And so, you know, a lot of uh, guru instructors, they actually teach that you should not pray to God because that would be a failure to recognize that that's exactly what you are. You are a God. So why would you pray to a God when you yourself are a God? So they actually discourage you praying to a God and want you to acknowledge that you yourself are a God. And uh, so it's, 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 you know, quite blatant and, and straightforward to see that we already have some problems coming up here with, with yoga. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, Hindu authorities, it's, it, they, they all say something very interesting. And this is very important for us to note. And this is what they said. They said, there is no Hinduism without yoga. And there is no yoga without Hinduism. Did you catch that? The Hindu authorities, the ones who are, are talking about the essence of yoga and what yoga really is, are saying that you cannot separate Hinduism from yoga and yoga from Hinduism. They are one. They are one and the same. To participate in yoga is to participate in the Hindu religion regardless of whether you believe that's that's not the case or is the case. It's It actually is quite irrelevant, and I'll get into why that is in a, in a little bit. But I want to uh, quote this um, uh, professor uh, from the University uh, of America in Orlando, Florida. It's the, it's the Hindu uh, University, and he's a professor of yoga philosophy and meditation. And he says, efforts to separate yoga from its spiritual center reveal ignorance of the goal of yoga. And he wrote that in Hinduism Today in September of 2009. So he's saying, if you're trying to separate the exercising act of, of yoga from its spiritual connection to Hinduism, you don't know what you're doing because they're one and the same. They are, it is a spiritual act, not just an exercise. And if you don't understand that, you're missing the whole point of yoga. This is a professor of yoga saying this. And, you know, uh, when, when, we look, when we look at the, uh, the different poses, the mantra, mantras uh, that you have to take, when we look at the, the chanting and the breathing, and we look at, um, the, again, just the goal of yoga, we see very, very quickly that this is explicitly linked to Hinduism. It's explicitly linked. There's no, there's no separating the two, and so I, I, I found this, um, this write up that uh, uh, this man had done, that I, I thought was really interesting. And he says this. Yeah, he, uh, he used to be a yogi, and, and this is what he says. He says yoga is a spiritual body, is the spiritual body language from India. It is moving liturgy. It was developed as a spiritual practice to unite with the Hindu divine and as a religious rite to worship the Hindu divine. Many of its poses and sequences of poses are inspired by Hindu mythology. Its active poses are what they call devotion in motion, the embodied veneration of figures from sacred Hindu literature. Its passive poses are physical philosophy, the bodily expression of non-dual oneness philosophy. 
and the active the active poses represent certain Hindu gods, creature beings, and sages after which the poses are named and patterned to which they have been dedicated. The practice of such poses is a type of role-playing of another spirit being, whether knowingly or unknowingly. So he's saying it doesn't matter whether you understand this or know what it represents, this is what's happening. Passive meditation poses represent the Hindu supreme reality or Brahma, that God consciousness I already talked about, which is the cosmic consciousness. The practice of such poses identifies a person with the Hindu supreme. Yoga poses send messages to the spirit world attracting spirits of Hinduism. So again, my friends, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you're saying, well, I'm just doing this for exercise. I don't believe in any of the Hindu religions. I don't believe in any of the gods. I don't worship who they worship. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm doing this because I want to be healthy and I want to be fit and I want to be in shape. My friend, it's absolutely irrelevant if that's what you believe. You are involving yourself in the Hindu religion and you are invoking the gods that are represented behind the poses in which you are taking. And so uh, this is important to understand because a lack of understanding or a disapproval of, of even the, what the yoga message is is completely irrelevant to the spiritual realm. So uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter whether you approve or, or don't approve. The message of yoga remains intact and communication or communion with the spirit world proceeds because your physical body is coming into agreement with this religion. And you are invoking and paying homage and honor and respect to these Hindu deities by taking these poses, regardless of if you believe that's what you're doing or not. Your body is coming into alignment and agreement with this Hindu religion, and you are opening yourself up to the demonic realm because that's what these gods are. They are they're idols, they're, they're demonic uh, spirits that are being honored and worshiped through the practice of yoga. And regardless of whether you believe that or not, that is exactly what you're opening yourself up to. And the spiritual realm could care less whether you believe that. In fact, it's almost better that you don't believe that because now you'll just so much more easily come under that deception and through that ignorance, uh, you won't be objecting or resisting. And so you'll just be easy pickings for the spiritual realm. And that's exactly what's happening with a lot of people, including Christians, because of what they're opening themselves up to. And so this is important uh, for, for multiple reasons. But uh, just to state the obvious, you are yoking yourself, coming into union with another god with or, or other gods. And so, you know, uh, Corinthians has something uh, just very straightforward to say about this. In uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And here it is, guys. And you, you guys, we as believers are the temple of God. And he says here, for you are the temple of the living God. What, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What agreement does the temple of God with, have with idols? When you're taking these yoga poses, you're coming into agreement with idols. And he's saying, hey, what the heck, guys? You're the temple of the living God. Has God not said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and, I, and they shall be my people? 
So what common do you, what, what does the temple of God have in common with idols? Nothing. You're not supposed to have anything in common with them. And so uh, coming into participation uh, with yoga is, again, it is inseparable from Hinduism. You are participating in another religion. It is not just exercise. So I want to quote from, from an actual uh, yoga philosopher and a yoga instructor. He's like a guru. He's uh, been around doing this for a long time. And he knows what he's talking about. He's actually considered a yoga scholar. And this is what he has to say uh, about, the, about the treatment of yoga poses. So he talks about the asanas. The asanas um, are, are yoga poses. That's what asana means. It's a yoga pose. Asanas, this is what he says, quote, The asanas, yoga poses, are assumed to have an inner nature that is associated with their specific name. In other words, there is a mystical realization content connected with each particular asana or yoga pose. The practitioner becomes the embodiment of the essence of that pose. The asana, the, the pose, thus, thus have a much greater dimension than mere physical elements. This is not immediately noticeable to someone not familiar with the language. So the mystical tradition carries out the yogic goal of union. For the yoga practitioner becomes what the pose represents. The poses are an exercise in spiritual shape-shifting. So we've heard before, you know, you come what you be, you become, you become what you behold. You know, we've all heard that saying. In yoga, this is what the yogis say: you become what pose you hold. So not just you become what you behold; you become what pose you hold. This category of yoga poses embodies veneration of creation and collapses creation and creator into one. So what he's saying here, guys, is that when you are partaking of yoga and you are doing these poses, you are becoming what you pose. You are coming into union and communion with the little g god or demonic idol that you are taking the form of. And so just straight up, guys, this is a really big deal. Like we need to be aware of this, that uh, again, the authorities that speak on what yoga is, is not you and me. It's not us in the West. It comes from the East. That's where this, that's where yoga has come from. And the ones in which it comes from, they're the ones who are saying yoga and Hinduism are inseparable. You cannot separate the two. They are, they, are, they are one in the same. Hinduism and yoga are one in the same. And so we cannot separate them just by simply believing it's exercise. Because according to all these scholars and according to Hinduism itself, yoga and Hinduism are inseparable. And, and the yoga poses from the worship of the yoga deity is also inseparable. Whether you agree with that or not, it's irrelevant. That's what you are stating in the spiritual realm. And you know, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse uh, 19, Paul says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our body and our spirit belong to God, right? And so, you know, I hear some Christians say, well, I'll, I, when I go and do yoga, I just think about Jesus. Or I just, uh, you know, think about Bible verses and I, I meditate on, on the word of God while I do the yoga pose. And I would say, well, you know, that to say that is like me saying that I went out and I made out with another woman. I'm married. I made out with another woman. But while I was making out with her, I was thinking about my wife. 
So it was, so it's okay. Because I was just thinking about my wife while I made out with another woman. That's exactly what we are saying when we say that we're meditating on God while we're doing yoga. We are actively participating in adultery and idolatry, being a believer and being a yoga practitioner. It's idolatry and adultery. Now, please don't hear an ounce of condemnation in that. If you've, if you've done uh, um, yoga or you're doing yoga as a Christian, please don't hear a condemnation that God did not come to condemn but to save. And so there's absolute forgiveness. There's, there's restoration. God can break all this stuff off in a heartbeat. It's not a problem. But we do indeed need to repent if we've been involved in it. And we do need to turn away from it because it is idolatry and it is adultery. It's, uh, we, we have entered into, as believers, we have entered entered into a covenant with God. We have entered into marriage with God. We are in covenant with him where all that is mine is his and all that is his is mine. And so we are, we're, we're, we've, we've become one, me and God and God and me. And I'm growing up in that. But to go then and do yoga and to yoke myself or come into union with a foreign God is absolutely not okay. It's again, it's idolatry and we can have nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. And you know, I, I had uh, someone ask me, this question once they said, you know, well, uh, a Christian was doing it. And they said, well, 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 God can redeem yoga. God can just redeem yoga. And so I thought to myself, well, I, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Why I, I'm going to ask him. And so I asked the father, I said, father, can yoga be redeemed? Can it be redeemed? And uh, a few days went by, and I think it was on the third or fourth day, the Lord answered me. I wasn't thinking about yoga, wasn't thinking about anything like that. I was driving down 14th Street near Notes Hill Drive in Calgary, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes into my truck, and he asked me a question. He said, can the tree of the knowledge of good and evil be redeemed? Can the tree of the knowledge of good and evil be redeemed? And I was like, wow. Um, no, it wasn't redeemed before the fall. It's not going to be redeemed after the fall. It's, no, it's not, it's not redeemable. We're just supposed to stay away from it. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, that's the tree that yoga comes from. It comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I was just like, wow. Okay, so yoga is not redeemable, just like Satan's not redeemable, just like demons aren't redeemable. There's no redeeming those things. They're just stay just stay away from them. We're not supposed to have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil redeemed. We're supposed to not, not eat it. We're not supposed to partake of that tree. Yoga is the same thing. The Lord told me that it is of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it is unredeemable. We are completely supposed to stay away from it. And it's interesting because in yoga, it talks about how you're, you're, you're growing in this God consciousness consciousness than that you are realizing that you are a God in and of yourself. And if we look at that, honestly, we see how that, how that absolutely comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, it says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God knowing good and evil. You will become like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. She took of it of the fruit and ate and also gave to her husband with her and he ate. There's a few things in the scripture that are so crucial for us to understand as Christians. Number one, uh, Satan is saying that when you eat of this tree, you'll be just like God. You'll be just like God. You participate in yoga. The whole goal of it is to become one with Brahma, to yoke yourself to it, and to come into God consciousness. You'll be just like God. Exact same tree, my friend. Then some people will say, well, but no, but yoga is good for you. Like, it's good for my body. You know, it's good for my stress levels. It's good for uh, relieving tension and uh, it's good for me. So if it's good for me, then then it, there's no way that it can't be that God can't be in it because it's good for me. And I would say to you that that's absolutely false, because you don't uh, you, you don't need to have something be bad for it not to be God. There are good things that are not God. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's go back to Genesis. Look at what Eve said. It says that she saw that the tree was good, good for food pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. Eve was not attracted to the evil side of the tree. Eve was attracted to the good side of the tree. There is a good that is not God. And if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, it shows us one of the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit is discernment. If it was always so easy to tell if something that was good wasn't God, then we wouldn't need discernment. If it was always so easy to tell between black and white, wrong and right, we wouldn't need to have a gift of discernment. We would just always know. We need discernment because there's some things that it's not easy to tell if it's God or not, and that is yoga, my friends. In fact, it's not very hard to see that yoga is not God because a five-minute Google search will show you that it is so linked and one with Hinduism that you can't be confused if you just research it a little bit. Uh, but just, you know, for the sake of what I'm saying, uh, discernment is necessary because it's not always easy to tell when Satan has come as an angel of light. The Bible says he does that. He comes as an angel of light to deceive us, to deceive us. And I want to propose to you that in the West, we have greatly come under the deception of thinking that yoga is just exercise and that since it's good for me, it must not be bad. That has been an absolute deception that we have come under. And we must wake up and realize that this is a Hindu religion that we, coming from the wrong tree that as a Christian, I am supposed to have absolutely nothing to do with it. I'm not supposed to have anything to do with it. And you know, when, uh, when, when we look even at, uh, I mean, Hindus will, will, will tell us this for themselves. If you look uh, according to Hindu texts and even in Buddhism, uh, they all show that you cannot separate yoga from its spiritual aspects and outcomes. For example, in the ancient Hindu text of Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, it reads, There is joy as the pupil becomes one with Krishna. There is joy as the pupil becomes one with Krishna, the yoga pupil. What's Krishna? Chapter 13 goes on to say, The real purpose of yoga is to become yoked with the Hindu god Krishna. And he will come and live within you. Well, who is the uh, Hindu god Krishna? The Hindu god Krishna is literally, I kid you not, the lord of demons. The prince of demons. The lord of demons. He's like king of demons. That's Krishna. And from Hindu text itself, where or yoga originates from, they're saying that that goal is to become 
uh, one with Krishna, the prince of demons, and with Brahma, where you become a god unto yourself. It's so crystal clear, my friends. We, we have to stay far away from this thing. And you know, there's an amazing man who wrote about this. Um, he, he was actually a, um, a, a Hatha Yoga instructor and a guru, and he went way, way deep in the New Age. He was a Reiki, Reiki healer and uh, did a lot of psychic stuff and an astral projection and just immersed himself in the New Age world. His name is Alan Strutwick. And he wrote uh, this book that I would love for you guys to read. It's called Spiritual Evolution. Spiritual Evolution by Alan Strutwick. And he radically encountered Christ. And in this book, he has a few chapters solely dedicated to exposing yoga for the New Age movement that it is and how they brought it into the West. And there was a whole goal to bring Hinduism into the West through the tool of yoga and making yoga um, uh, absolutely socially acceptable in our culture. And if you look around today, they've done a really good job. They've been very successful. Uh, but he goes through, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into it all, but he goes through all the different poses, each God they represent, what you're coming into agreement, what you're coming into agreement with, and what you're, what you're yoking yourself to in every single yoga pose and the unto that it really is. Again, this stuff is actually really not hard to find, but he does a very good job going through it all. Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through it all with you guys, but you can see, uh, he goes, he goes through it all quite extensively. And uh, in doing so, he also made some interesting observations. One of the observations he made is that he realized that there was a lot of people that he talked to that battled with fear and anxiety and uh, panic attacks and even psychotic episodes. And what he realized was that 90% of the people that he did ministry with and he talked to uh, that, that severely suffered from fear and anxiety, 90% of them participate in yoga. And this is one of the catch-22s, which makes yoga uh, so deceptive, is that while they're doing yoga is when they feel a reprieve from the fear and the anxiety. But when they're not in yoga, the, the fear and anxiety is, is intensifying and actually going up. And this is just this vicious cycle where they actually think yoga is helping them, but yet it's the very door that's opening themselves up to a spirit of fear and anxiety. The Bible says in Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. And when we're participating in these things in yoga, we are opening up our lives to the realm of the spirit where a spirit of fear and anxiety absolutely make a way into our hearts and lives because we've opened ourselves up to it. And so, I mean, even, even when, if you look at the chanting, you know, like uh, um, when people go, um, you know, that's one of the chants that, that people do in yoga and few people actually understand what it means, but it's an, it's an A-U-M. And the, uh, uh, it's very common practice in yoga. And the A sound represents Brahma, which is what something I've already covered, the supposed creator. The U sound represents the god Vishni, who is the preserver god. And the M represents Shiva, who is the god of destruction. The chant is an invitation to these three gods to come into your life and merge with your soul and influence you and influence you. That's what the, that chanting is all about. And so we see from the, from the symbols to the chants to the different poses uh, that, we, that, that, that you do in yoga, it is all about the worship of these false idols. 
And I want to just, you know, call it straight out, guys. It is demonic, and it is should have absolutely no part in a Christian's life. They should have absolutely nothing to do with it. It is, again, idolatry and adultery. And it is uh, uh, having something in common with idols when we are called to be the temple of the living God, bought at a price. We belong to him. His yoke is the only yoke that we should be taking upon ourselves. And so, you know, uh, um, here's a, something I just wanted to show you, just even from a, a yoga website that says the eight Hindu gods that you should be aware of uh, as a yoga teacher. And this is, this is what it says. Hinduism is not just a faith, it is the union of reason and intuition that cannot be defined but only to be experienced. That's just a quote. But it says, if, you, if you're a yoga teacher or a yoga enthusiast, it is very likely that you have come across mantras that invoke one of the many Hindu gods and goddesses. Here is a brief peek into Hinduism and a list of the most popular Hindu gods and goddesses that every yoga teacher and enthusiast will benefit by knowing. Why would we benefit by knowing Hindu gods if we're just exercising in yoga? Why is, why is that even coming up? Because it's not just exercise. It's a religious practice. So there's Brahma, the god of creation. That one we've kind of already, already talked on. He represents the source of universal mind and intellect. There's Vishnu, god of preservation. Lakishmi, the goddess of prosperity, fertility, and, and purity. Sarasawaski, I'm probably saying some of these wrong. Sorry, guys. But anyway, goddess of knowledge and arts. There's Ganesha, the elephant-headed god that of success uh, and the removal of all obstacles. So he's kind of commonly worshipped as the god of education, wisdom, and wealth. And then there's Hanuman, which is faith and devotion. And then there's Shiva, which is the god of death and destruction. There's th These are all gods that are associated with yoga, with yoga. And you know, it's it's just again a five minute Google search of this guys will reveal the the source of yoga and how a Christian should have absolutely nothing to do with it because it's absolutely inseparable from Hinduism. And you know, we seek the counterfeit to what God's created all throughout you know, all kinds of topics, um, but especially in the New Age movement right now, you know, for um, uh, God created there to be prophets. The the counterfeit to a prophet is a psychic. God created there uh, to be the laying on of hands uh, on people that we're supposed to do in the body of Christ. And what's the counterfeit? You have Reiki healers. We're supposed to meditate on God and his precepts. What's the counterfeit of meditation? It's yoga. It, there, there are counterfeits to everything that God has. The enemy has no creative ability. He just counterfeits what, what God has originally created and he twists and corrupts. And yoga is a twisting and a corrupting of meditation on God and uh, and of actually even just being healthy, to be honest. Like, I just want to commend you guys. If, if you desire to be healthy, then that's awesome. That's great. That's a, that's a godly trait. So I commend you for desiring to be healthy and in shape. But you do not have to do yoga to be healthy or in shape. There's tons of other things that you can do. There's tons of other stretchings you can do. And even right now, I'm sorry on the um, on the uh, podcast, you're not going to obviously see this image. But on the YouTube channel right now, here's a just an image of a whole bunch of stretches that you can do that have absolutely nothing to do with yoga and yet have the exact same benefits health-wise as the yoga stretches do. So you can be absolutely healthy and have nothing to do with yoga. That is not an excuse uh, to not uh, be 
healthy. And I just want to commend you for that. I think it's awesome if you want to work out and exercise. We should all be doing that. It's very important that we steward the body that God has given us. It's a temple of the Lord. We want to steward it and look after it and take care of it. Absolutely beautiful desire. But it should have nothing to do with yoga because you are now going above and beyond exercise and entering into another religion which has nothing to do with Christ. And so... That's it, my friends. Uh, that's yoga. Um, and just remember, please, like, again, it cannot be redeemed. Stay a far, far away from it. You should have absolutely nothing to do with it. If you don't believe the things I presented to you, go and look this up for yourself. It is so crystal clear. There's no confusion around this. Hinduism and yoga are one and the same. If you're doing yoga, you are participating in another religion. You're sleeping with another man's wife if you're a Christian, and it must stop, friend. It must stop. And so again, don't be condemned by that. Just let's wake up and repent and live in righteousness and pursue Jesus because his yoke alone is easy and his burden is light and he has rest for your souls. So bless you guys, and I'll see you in the next video.